Sports are such a big part of all of our lives. From the big plays to the unforgettable games, they continue to inspire us in unimaginable ways. But what happens to the athletes, the warriors, and heroes of our time when the game is finally over and the sport they love and work their entire lives pursuing greatness at continues on without them? How do they cope with the transition? How do they find purpose, reclaim their identity, and work towards a vision of the future? As a former professional athlete playing in the NFL for eight seasons, I know the unique challenges that these athletes face. On this podcast, these athletes will share their stories and how they navigate life beyond the game. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Life Beyond the Game. Got a really cool guest for you today. It is our first non-athlete and first female, I believe. Up to this point, I've had all former athletes talk about their transition out of sports and thought it'd be cool to get a different perspective. Adrian is really passionate and she just fires me up with uh, the way she shows up and the knowledge and wisdom and her just passion for helping um, this community of former players and current players and all the challenges that face uh, the modern day athlete. And she shares a little bit about her story and how she got involved in this type of work. But she is uh, one of the most passionate people I've met when it comes to player development. Um, she coaches current players and former players and um, offers a wide variety of different services. And um, after you listen to this podcast, if you are a current player or a former player and you are looking for uh, support or coaching or mentorship, she is amazing. And uh, we had a really good conversation about the transition process, um, how to navigate it properly, some of the things that she's seen uh, with uh, the players that she knows and works with. Um, but yeah, it's just an amazing conversation, uh, different perspective. And um, you really appreciate Adrian coming on. I know you guys will enjoy this episode as well. Before we dive in, I do want to talk about the Heart Collective. We share a little bit about the power of community in this episode. And, you know, it's something I'm super passionate about. And that's why I created this podcast is to really serve uh, the former athlete population. I know the unique challenges that come with transitioning out of sports. Uh, I've gone through it, still navigating a lot of it. And what I've found is the missing piece is community. It's feeling supported by a group of men that understand what the experience is like and can support one each other, hold, hold space for one another. And that's what I'm building over at the Heart Collective. Uh, the momentum is building, the community is growing. There's some amazing members already in there that are getting a lot out of it. And just really stoked about where this thing is headed. If you are a former male professional athlete who is interested in the community, reach out to me uh, or go check out theheartcollective.com. That's H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com. Um, I think it's really, it's had a profound impact on my life and I know, um, whoever decides to plug into it will not only learn, um, a, an immense amount about themselves, but they will feel supported. And, uh, it's one thing as an athlete, you know, you, you play your entire life on a team with a vision and a goal, uh, working together. And when it's over, all that's taken away and the heart collective provides that kind of support. Also working on a new strategy for, uh, the wider audience. So, non-athletes as well. Uh, we have master classes and master courses available. We just hosted our first master class last week and we have another one coming up May 11th with Laura Don. I don't know if this podcast is going to be released by then, but if you missed that one, there will be, there will be recordings. Um, and if you're interested go to the heartcollective.com and put your email address in and you will not miss any of the amazing content that we are building for all of you athletes and non-athletes alike really stoked about just providing value in any way I can. Um, just trying to make, uh, help make the world a better place, uh, in, in the ways that I can. And I would love to hear from you, uh, what you think of this podcast. If you enjoy it, please leave a review, rate it, uh, share it with a friend, uh, that all goes a long way in helping the podcast grow and impact those that need it. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this podcast with Adrian Starr.
Adrian, what's up? How you doing? Hey, good afternoon. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. I really appreciate you coming on. I'm really stoked to have you on as you know, this podcast, I've had mostly former pro athletes talking about their transition. You are the first non-athlete, the first female. And so I'm really excited to get your perspective because, you know, I met you uh, about a month or two ago, we had a conversation and just your passion and your heart of service to this, you know, to the brotherhood of former athletes. And I'd just love for you to introduce yourself and how you got involved in this. And then we can kind of talk about, you know, the transition out of sports and even, you know, current players and the struggles and things that they go through that, you know, you've, you've noticed and uh, some of the work that you do. So go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of how you got involved in, um, you know, sports and self or uh, player development. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. I, it's fun. Actually, I never get to be the first anything really. So this is, this is my first time being the first. So thanks for making that happen. Um, yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. I, um, I have a strange, so I'm born and raised in Georgia. Um, I never really had an interest in football or basketball, which is the two sports that I now find myself constantly circling around and the professionals who play them. Um, I was a nerdy kid, a science kid, went to school at the University of Georgia to be a veterinarian, spent 10 years basically being a vet tech, and now I work with pro athletes. So that was an accident. Mm -hmm. um, I found myself working in and around the sports space from the time I started really in, in high school. I worked really closely with wrestling and football just as something fun to do. Um, and when I went to college and there was no real wrestling available. Um, I had a high school coach that was like, Hey, I'm connected at the school. You should check out football. Football's a thing there at this, at this school, this UGA. And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and lucky enough, a coach gave me a job editing video, um, which turned into a two year stint that led to a longer stint of me working as a mentor and a tutor for the student, um, athlete population while I was earning my degree finished my degree in science, but sort of had this like simultaneously while I was trying to pursue a career in veterinary medicine, I was still working with athletes and it just bothered me so much how I hate to use the word deficient, but I feel like it's just the word that sticks, um, you know, that I would keep working with these players. And it just seemed like, why weren't they in the same place as me when you have so many resources and so it was always just something that nagged at me. And when vet school ended up not turning into what I wanted it to be, um, I pursued my master's in sports management with the intent of working in player development um, at the time, specifically in the pro space, um, because I just felt like I was there to be helpful. Um, guys always gravitated to me to be the like big sister helper. I'm, like I always say, I'm 84 years old and anyone who's had me as a tutor or worked with me as a client like knows I legitimately am a grandma. I just look a little younger. Um, <laughs> you don't look 84. No, but I, I promise you, like I'm an 84-year-old trapped in a 32-year-old body. Like mm. my my alter ego, like her name is is Greta or like some good granny <laughs> name. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Some good Bubby's name, grandma, nanny, something. But um, so the intent was to, to work in player development and figure out how I could be a resource and a help to really like further this, this process. You know, I think I realized early doing that role that, you know, yes, everybody comes from different places, whether you're from a rural area or a metropolitan area, or you come from money or you don't come from money or you come from, whatever the definition of privilege is, or you had every resource in the world and, you know, parents that knew how to teach you about these certain life skills, or you didn't. And at the college level, I noticed really fast that, you know, guys were leaving school, whether that be for a for the draft or they graduated and they just weren't up to par. Like they just weren't getting the help that they needed. And in my mind, when you take a kid from their family and say, hey, we're going to use you as a tool to win games and be awesome and simultaneously like help you develop, that not only means on the field or court and in the classroom, but like as a grown-up. Like when you leave college, I feel like there's certain things that you should just know how to do or and not know how to do. Someone should teach you how to do. And it shouldn't matter if you came in at, you know, ground zero, or you came in halfway through by the time you leave at the end of three years or four years, for some guys, five years, 
um, there should be a bare minimum of what you what you get. So when I left school, I ended up working at the getting a post-grad internship at the NFL Players Association, where I thought all people who wanted to help players thrive, that's where they went. Um, whether you're on the side that believes that or doesn't believe that um, or falls somewhere in the middle, I think those are all fair depending on your experience. Um, but I learned a lot. I worked in player services. I learned a lot about the business of the, I, I worked on the players ink side. So I, I did work on the money making portion of the PA, um, you know, and I learned about how brands work with them and opportunities that are available to guys, but through being a person who actually updated contact information for every athlete, like in the system, um, which does exist, um, you know, I got on calls with guys where, you know, you could just tell that, you know, they were looking for something or they hadn't found it or they needed help. And, you know, I learned about the different programs that are offered from the league and the PA. Um, I learned how the league and the PA don't play nice together all the time. Um, and just, you know, through that, um, I'll like fast forward a bit, but like I, I left the PA, learned a lot and I, st- I sort of fell into starting my own company um, a player had hired me to come manage his like whole life. And over the following years, I basically built a brand for a player, went and did some time at NFL films, um, did some consulting in client services for a financial firm, which, you know, allowed me to basically hit everything. Like I've, I've been on the union side. I've been on the league side at, at films to learn about how they work. Um, I've been on the money side, which is a fascinating side to work on because just the level of complexity and the level of detail that goes into that work and also the frustrating parts of that work um, has been around. And then I sort of swung over to the NBA side for a little bit, um, worked with a basketball player and building him and helping him figure out, you know, what his path was and maximizing his time in the league. And all to basically be on this journey of development, whatever that's looked like at the time. Um, I think all the roles I've had and places I've been, even though the titles and locations and job descriptions have changed because my purpose is helping players be successful um, beyond the game, that's always been, whether that's what they were paying me for or not, that's what they were getting as the like bottom line. Hmm. And so um, that's been what sort of got me to that space. And as I as I've stayed in the space and transitioned my business into a coaching model of really trying to help guys, I think everything that I've experienced with observing in both the college realm and the pro realm and the former player realm, um, so many pieces of the puzzle are reactive and not proactive. Like everything is a problem that gets to be solved after it's already a problem versus preventing it from being an issue in the first place. Mm. And it's even from like, even from guys, even from like a basic level of like players who don't see the value necessarily in some of the injury prevention work you can do for your body or nutrition or like the hyperbaric chamber, like, you know, as time has progressed and assets have been more and more, um, you know, I think. I've met so many players who tell me, man, I would have played five years longer if I'd taken care of my body. Mm-hmm. But now they're the guy that wakes up every day. And like, if it rains, you're like, Oh, that left shoulder, it's going to rain today. Like, yeah. And, and some of it, and a lot of it is preventable. Um, you know, you're still going to, you know, feel something eventually. I don't, I, I have one friend who walked away from the game that I know of who is like, my body's fine. And he played for over a decade. He was a linebacker and just like, uh, what did he do? I, what was the secret we, sauce? Just luck. I don't know anyone. We can all ask him. Will Witherspoon like played linebacker in the league for a long time. And he's one of the only people I know who didn't do anything bonkers, but just like as a whole, like feels pretty good. Like, yeah. I don't know anybody besides him who, who, I mean, maybe Brendan Iambadejo, who were, you know, the Orange Theory master, like he, he seems creepily healthy for a man of, of his age and all of that. But, but most guys are like, you know, I could have played longer. I didn't take care of my body like I should have. I didn't take care of myself like I should have. 
And so I think in general, it's all about, you know, then fixing things that are broken or solving problems that have been caused versus how can we prevent this from happening? Or if it's inevitable, how can we minimize it? Mm. Um, And so I think that that's a lot of what I've learned going along the way. Um, And also just common mistakes. Like some, you know, I have friends all the time that are like, look, sometimes guys have to learn the hard way. No matter what you do, if they don't try and fail, they're never going to learn. But I think that that's not everyone. I don't think that's the majority. And I also think that that's just another excuse. Um, I think that development as a whole is an underserved space in pro pro sports and college sports. There's not enough people doing it. There's not enough effort behind it. Um, And so then you end up with, you know, so many guys in the brotherhood, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, um, they understand each other because even though everyone transitions differently, and has different circumstances in which they transition, right? Like some guys have forced exit. Like, you you know, you had a traumatic injury and like it's game over for you. Mm. Um, some guys have very few, but some guys have the thank you very much to the game. It's been great. And I'm on to the next thing. Um, and then you have guys who do the uh, like try to hang on with life and limb you know, they're going to keep training and keep training and keep training and do practice squad and get cut or come back for training camp and get cut. And eventually they just can't do it anymore. Like they're just tired. Um, or their body tells them like, ha, tap out. Um, but then, and you know, and everyone then also has a different circumstance. Like, are they transitioning and they have a whole support system of a wife and kids and whatever, or are you, do you have your family? Are you solo? Are you, you know, there's just, there's infinite numbers of ways, but yet there's some significant similarities to many versions of becoming a former player. Mm. Um, yeah, there's so many different so many, such a wide range of experience yeah. when you're leaving and all of them have their own unique challenges. And what I've found is they're all so incredibly hard to prepare for. Like, I agree with you that there's not enough resources to the player development side. And even the resources they did provide, even when I was playing, it was like always around, you know, make sure you have a plan B, make sure you have a backup plan. This isn't going to last forever. And, you know, yeah. we talked about Trevor Lawrence and how he said, you know, I am more than a football player. And we, t- yeah. you know, before the conversation, he's 21. And I would argue that you can easily say that, but you know, having the awareness is one thing, but even me, I, I, I played eight years in the NFL, my final year, I was one of those guys that my body was like, you know, it's done. And I decided on my own terms to walk away. And I was excited about the next challenge and I left the game and it like hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, Whoa, this is a lot more challenging than I anticipated. Right. I think, so there's two things you said that I think are true and also how I feel about them. I do not. The first is that I hate the plan B and I don't use the word hate that likely, like lovingly, but like, I hate the concept of plan B and backup plan. Like to me, those are not terms that one align with the mentality of those who aim to become professional athletes. Right. You have to be so singularly focused on achieving greatness or else you'll get weeded out because it's such a hyper competitive environment. So even having a plan B, if you do put energy into that, then you'll probably end up going towards that because you have to be so focused and it's so hard to not even, you can't think about what is outside of the game if you're going to make it. It's like that paradox. Yeah. And I think when, even from the, from the, like in college, like even when they pitch that to you in college and yes, we all know the statistics, like 1% of all college football players will go to the pro. Yeah. Okay. We know the numbers, but like, if you have a kid that tells you like, that's where they're going, you still have to embrace that and prepare them whether they make it there or not. Because to me, the way it is, is like, okay, plan A is success as a pro athlete, making it. Now, whether that chapter is one page long of like, I dreamed of making it to the pros and college ended and it never happened for me. Or I made it to my my first professional team tryout and it never went further than that. Or you have a hundred page chapter of, I played 10 years in the league and this is what I did. Like, there's just a chapter that comes after that. 
it's not plan B. It's not the backup plan. It's just the next chapter. Like life does not begin and end with football or basketball or hockey or baseball, but it is a significant part of your journey. So I think that respect doing respect to athletes, like you have to treat that as I'm preparing you for the whole novel, not just one chapter, but like you can't skip to chapter five without writing one, two, three, and four. Yeah. And it's so hard to prepare an athlete while he's playing for that transition when it's happening. So what are some of the resources or ways that you would, you maybe if you had the resources help solve that issue of getting guys ready and, and figuring out who they are without the game when it is such a challenge? Yeah. So th- that was the second thing that you said that I, um, that I find to be very true. And I, I use this analogy to go with it. Um, the, the, the fact that you may know is coming, like even you, you're like, I'm aware I'm choosing to leave. I know it's ending. I'm excited about what's next, but then it happens. And you said it hit you like a ton of bricks. That is like the relative that has a terminal disease. Like you, and as someone who, who had experienced that, like, you know, they're going to die. Like you watch it, you prepare for it. You know, it's coming. It doesn't matter. Once they're gone, It doesn't matter whether you had 10 years to prepare or 10 months to prepare. You're still not prepared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they're going to leave, they're going to die and it's going to crush you. Mm -hmm. And, and people will say, well, like, but you knew it was coming. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And leaving the game is the same. I, I refer to athletes who leave the game and transition to whatever way they do it. They go to the dark place it's like the term I use for when you're at, when you mourn your athlete self, because that, that experience, that part of your life, that identity, because it is really such a huge tied in piece with your identity. It's like mourning a death. Mm. So you go to the dark place. Now, whether you, whether you are the person who's prepared for the dark place and what that means is like, okay, like you sort of like, you're like, okay, I, I'm excited. There's another chapter that's coming maybe not sure what's coming, but like, it's something. Um, and I'm excited about it. So you went into the dark place with a map and a flashlight and you spent your designated amount of time there, which I encourage because I'm a big, a big advocate of like embrace the morning or Mm. even, even on a, on a micro level of like law for active players, like with losses, like get your 24 hour wallow in, but then like you got a whole nother week ahead. Yeah. I think that is part of the thing is there's not, there's not enough, space for our guys don't allow themselves the space to properly grieve as well. And then they distract themselves, numb themselves out. Or for me, it was like, I wanted to go get into business because that's what I wanted to kind of try my, my wheelhouse at Mm -hmm. and challenge myself in new ways. But I knew, and I was aware enough to know that if I got into something right away, I would just dive into that, distracting myself from the process of really finding out who I am without the game and, and allowing myself to grieve and process. And it took me a year and a half, two years. And it's, that's another thing too, is the transition is not a finite amount of time. It is right. learning how to integrate it into who you are, because this is something that you've lost and you're always going to be an athlete in transition for the rest of your life. And so properly learning how to integrate that. Yeah. It's like, it's like people who are addicts, like mm. you can be sober for 20 years. You're still an addict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's okay many people go on to thrive and be amazing and live incredible lives. And an athlete in transition is very much the same. Like you're always going to be in transition. And to that point, like there is no date on the calendar. Like you can't, you can't enter the dark place on May 1st and be like, "Ah, on December 13th, I'm walking out. Like Mm -hmm. I'm leaving now. Um, But I do think it's important to, to be the person who does have some concept of that you do need morning time because otherwise you end up becoming the person who isn't like the guy who thinks that it will never happen to me. Like this will never happen to me. I will never be this guy. That is the person who stays in the dark place and waits for someone to like pull what to pull them out. And that often leads to even more of what you talked about, like sort of the unhealthy habits of like, you know, that's where you can get into, you know, issues with food, alcohol, drugs, you know, depression, like lot. And you might still experience some of that, but it is nice to have the concept of like, it's okay to mourn. I think, I think you were asking me about preparation tips. And I think one of the big things is like, it is okay. Like, this is like the big therapy thing. Like it's okay to ask for help. Okay. So I encourage like, it's okay as an, as an alpha male, which is 
almost everyone who plays pro sports. Like there's a few guys that I would say are like maybe not so alpha out like super expressive about it. But like as a whole, alpha male is a definition of a male pro athlete. It just is what it is. And I think that also that then defines you as being somebody who probably doesn't cope with emotion well, positively or negatively. Like you're probably not great at expressing when you are sad. You might be great at anger. Anger is usually a good one because guys like to throw things and yell and whatever. Um, in unhealthy but they, ways though, right? If you don't know. In, in an unhealthy way. Like, right, yeah. right. So, but they're not necessarily familiar or even feel that it's okay. And some of that's cultural about like, it's okay to be sad. Mm. Like it's okay to cry. It's okay to miss it. It's okay to just be not even have words to describe that you're, you know, you're not happy, but like, what, are, what am I? Um, and I encourage some of that, you know, you can start with healthy ways of, of identifying your feelings, like while you play, which is one of the reasons why I really encourage the 24 hour wallow for current players, because, um, I do a lot of work with like goal setting. Like what is a, what is a smart goal? How do I set it? How do I make sure that they're in multiple phases of my life? Not just, I have a football goal. Like I have a self goal. I have a family goal. I have a financial goal, like weekly. Mm. And if you as a team, I think, you know, and this is one of the reasons why like military personnel and pro athletes are so aligned is like their PTSD is similar as is their, their lot. There is no self in football, for example, like it's about the team. Like there is no I in team. Like it's not about you. Like we win as a team, we battle as a team, like let's go to war. And so then you're like, well, if I don't have the team, then I'm nobody. Who am I? Mm -hmm. And so with the 24 hour wallow, the reason I, I use that is because if a team loses a game on a Sunday, one, they lost it as a team. You as an individual, whether you're a safety, a lineman, or whatever, you did not lose or win that game by yourself. Now, hopefully you had a, if you're working with me, hopefully you had a football goal that week. I want three tackles. I want to rush for hundred yards, whatever it is. If you achieved your goal, regardless of the team loss, you won, like you achieved what you needed to do and you can mourn the loss for 24 hours a regular season game. If it's like the Super Bowl, maybe we get a little more. But a regular season game, you get 24 hours to wallow because grieve, be upset, be angry. But like the ne the next week is coming, whether you want to wallow for longer or not, and you will not be able to properly prepare yourself to achieve next week's goals if on Wednesday you're still fully consumed in the loss of Sunday. Hmm. And... So I think that you can start building some of those good habits. Same thing with if you checked off your goal, like if you had your three tackles or you got a sack or you, whatever your thing was like, celebrate that, honor yourself, treat yourself with something like, you know, be celebrate yourself. Because one of the things I tell pro guys all the time and a lot of former guys is it's easy to feel good about yourself when thousands of people are cheering for you in the stands, but they're not cheering for you, Joe at the moment and Joe's successes. And if Joe is happy at home, like they're cheering for Joe because Joe helped the team. And if you can't celebrate yourself, when you achieve something, you set your goals, like set your mind to who's going to clap for you at home. Mm. Like if your task was like, I need to get up today at a, at 9am and get a workout in and call a friend to check on them. And that was your goal for the day as a former player. Like you need to be like, Woo! Like, turn up. I won. Like, you know, star on my chart. And those are how you create like healthy habits. And I always say, you know, to your point of that, you're always in transition is that it's for the same reason why they say it takes help, uh, like 30 days to create a habit, right? There's no get rich quick. There's no get skinny fast. Um, and even if those things are possible, they're not sustainable, mm -hmm. which is the difference. So there's no such thing as like you cured transition in five seconds. Like, you know, when guys are learning to meditate or to get comfortable with just being with themselves, um, you know, those are hard things to do. So it takes practice and it takes 
implementation over time. So if, if you see a, a former player who is like, you're like, whoa, he is hella well adjusted. Like <laughs> he seems physically fit and very like he meditates and he does yoga. And it's not like he found that on a Tuesday and by Friday, he was the most enlightened human being you ever met. Yeah. Like it's something that takes a really extended period of time. So I always try to tell guys like, you don't have to tackle tackle yourself in a day. Give yourself 60 minutes a week as a current player, even start it early, but you know, and it give yourself 60 minutes a week to work on yourself. Mm. What does that mean? It means you need to work on first. You need to figure out like, what, what are you looking for? Or what am I good at? Like, you know, it's, it's all about like making lists. Like one of the first things I talk to guys about when I get on a call is, you know, what are you struggling with today? Or in general, like, are you struggling? You know, if you're a former player, let's say, are you struggling with that? You know, you feel lost. Like you don't know that that's like the big general one is like for former players is like, I don't know where to start. Okay. Let's just start there. I don't know where to start. Like the game is over for me. I'm no longer number 17, which means I just don't exist anymore. Okay. Which is not true. And, you know, for anyone who needs to be told, like you matter, you're important and you're important without a Jersey on, um, I'm happy to be that person for you anytime. So let me know. Um, you know, the three biggest things that guys miss when they're not playing anymore is one camaraderie, like for good or for bad, the locker room, you know, dance parties, the gossip, the road trips, the, whatever the whatever macho male bonding is occurring um they miss the camaraderie so you have to create the camaraderie outside the locker room period it means either finding a group of peers that are in the same boat as you like wherever you live finding the, the former player people if that's the collective you want to work with or just finding a group of you know, something you enjoy. If you enjoy shooting hoops, like you need to go to the YMCA and you need to find out when the pickup game is, you know, or if you, what, whatever it is that you feel like you could try, that's where you have to go. Most guys don't feel comfortable stepping out of their comfort zone. So like almost every city has a former player chapter or a guy on your team who also retired at the same time. You don't have to be best friends. I'm not saying that, but it's kind of like when you're in a locker room, you know, there's a distinction between teammate and friend right? When you're transitioning, they don't have to be your best friend, but they're still your teammate because those people in transition, like you said, you're always in transition, which means they understand to some degree the struggle that you're going through. And so you have to find camaraderie. The second thing is time, time management. Like what the hell do I do with my day? Like I knew that I had to be at the facility at six to get in the tub. I had training at this time. I was watching film at this time. I was at practice at this time. I took a shit at this time. Like it's so regimented and you're so used to it that you have to physically create a schedule for yourself. Okay, no, you might not need to fill 18 hours of the day, but you need to fill enough of it that you have somewhere you have to be or something to do as a de designated time. Whether you stick it in your iPhone calendar or you physically get a calendar, you need to set an alarm and get up. If you're not going to go to the gym because you're not ready to like do that yet, you need to take a lap around the house mm. or walk to the mailbox and back, do something. You need to schedule to call your mom at 3 p.m. You need to... You know, you need whatever it is, you have to create a schedule for yourself because if you don't have anywhere to be, it's really easy to stay in bed or it's really easy to turn on Call of Duty and spend 16 hours playing Call of Duty. And like, did you even eat today? Like, like, did you yeah. fuel your body? Like, I don't know. Like, you have to put something on your calendar to make you be somewhere or have something to do. Yeah. And the third thing is feeling like you're creating impact. Um, you know, in the pros, it's easy. Every off day, the team has happily scheduled something where you can like, you know, kiss babies or go to a hospital or volunteer at a soup kitchen or whatever. Um, you, if you are not already 
doing something where you're like, oh, I already run a charity and every Friday we do what you need to find how you, if, especially if you're the guy who like, doesn't know your purpose yet, like you're not sure, which by the way, like, isn't going to probably fall in a fortune cookie. It's something you, you have to like, look for and figure out. Most people don't wake up on a Thursday and they're like, "Ah, I know my purpose. Mm. Um, you need to go be useful to somebody because one of the biggest things that players fall, um, fall for, 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 I don't know what the right terminology is for that, but same thing with like military is like, you feel like you're not useful because you're not contributing. You're not contributing to the win. You're not contributing to the team. So you need to go contribute to something. I don't care if you serve soup at a soup kitchen. I don't care if you go to a boys and girls club and play football with a kid, go somewhere to be useful to someone because that will create that, that impact, that community involvement that you might not think you need, but like you need it. Mm. Like yeah. you need it. Those three so things those, resonate. Those so are the much three. Yeah. Yeah. Those so are the three big when ones. You're talking, it's like the first one is camaraderie, right? And that's yep. why I built the Heart Collective, which is a community just for yeah. former male professional athletes so that they can feel supported in the group because that's the hardest thing, right? Is as a former athlete, you're a part of a team, you have a vision, a goal, um, you're focused on something, you have the routine and when you're done, all of a sudden, all of that is gone. And that's one of the challenging things that you can't really prepare for. So I agree, plugging into some sort of community and that's what I'm building with the heart collective. And then two, what came to me is, and this is all three of these things have really, you know, when you were talking, I was like, damn, those are the three things that really got me through my own transition. And I, you know, a morning routine, with the, with the structure and getting out of bed, creating a morning routine for me has been so powerful because it gets me out of the bed and I usually do my self-care practice. So it's not even getting up and really doing anything, but taking care of myself. So I'll do some yoga. I'll get a workout in, I'll go on a walk, um, meditate. I can journal or write, read something inspirational all in the morning. And what that does is that creates momentum throughout the day. So even if you don't do anything the rest of the day, let's say you get that done before noon and then you play call of duty the rest of the day, at least you feel like you accomplished something. Yeah. You can build that momentum. And then the third thing you said, you know, is, is do something of impact. And to me, that's, that's be of service in some way. And I didn't really, really get through the transition. Cause I, I, you know, I left everything, bought a van, traveled the country and that really had a profound impact on allowing me to process the transition and work through it and find myself. But it wasn't really until I started asking myself the question, how can I be of service when I really started moving through that transition into what I wanted to do next, which is building this community for guys. But it wasn't until I started asking my question, how can I be of service? And that is giving me a reason to get up out of, out of bed in the morning. And it doesn't have to be, you know, soup kitchen or volunteering. It's like, how can I be of service in the day that I stand in? How can I, yeah. you know, give love to a family member that needs it, call somebody, even the business you're building, like how are you showing up and being of service to the world in a bigger way? I think, you know, that's just a human thing. I think when you find way more fulfillment when you show up to do something greater than yourself. And it's fascinating because most, you know, team athletes, you were doing, you were being of service to something greater than yourself when you were part of the team. And that was part of, part of your makeup really. And so finding that outside of sports really can help really navigate the transition. I, I love those three things you said. I think they're really impactful and that kind of wraps everything up as, as far as how to handle the transition. Yeah. And I think that, um, and I, I use your, you're right. Like with the, it doesn't have to be a monumental service, right? Like I use easy ones because those are the ones you might've been doing before mm-hmm. that you can easily get to, you know, but yep. doing, you know, doing on your own. But I also think that um, it's, I think when guys transition, they forget what was happening when they were really on a team. Like, I think guys who say like, oh, I I don't, I'm not a sharer or I don't communicate or, you know, I don't need the group. That's not true because you played football. Like you needed all of those things. If you didn't communicate with your teammates, probably the play did not go like it was supposed to. Like you needed the group because you couldn't do it by yourself. Like, I think it's fascinating how quickly you forget how, and and I get it because you were almost on, especially if you lived a long career, right? Three, four, five, 10 years in the league. No one has to tell you seven years in how to be a pro. You're already doing it. Like you don't, you're on, 
you're on autopilot. Like Mm -hmm. you're still there because you're good at it. Mm -hmm. Um, and by good at it, I don't necessarily mean at the sport, like you're good at being a pro you show up, you put in the work, you're doing the film, you're all those things you're already doing consistently. And when you're not on the team anymore, it's like, you forget all that work that you were doing just because the environment that you're sitting in has changed. Like your living room is not the locker room and you know, your meeting room is not your kitchen. Like, and so I think that that is, is something that has to be almost like relearned. Like you're, you're really reteaching yourself how to incorporate what you were good at, what you were doing before into the life that you're going to live for my God, 30, 40, 50, 60 more years. Like just getting started. Yeah. Like this is such a minor portion. You're so young coming out of the game. Even if you're Ben Watson who retired at 40, like he's still got 40, 50, 60 years on the planet left. You Mm. can't just tell me he's like, I'm done. I'm just going to hang out and, you know, like breathe. Yeah. I think that's (laughs) so hard for people to understand too, is like, you know, because it's this old idea and this story of like, I'm going to work my ass off until, until retirement. This is like a normal societal story of I'm work on 65 retirement. And the most people that reach that level, they realize, Oh, I can't just go sit on a beach and do nothing because that's not what we're made to do. We have to show right. up and have something to put our energy into. And so that's another unique challenge as an athlete is because, you know, let's play. I retired when I was 29, made millions of dollars. And, you know, I just say, Oh, I'm struggling. You know, I, I don't know what to do with myself. And people look at you like you're crazy. They're like, what are you talking about? You're retired. You made a bunch of money. Go do whatever you want. And people right. don't realize that we have to show up and have something to do. So talk about that idea of purpose and finding, you know, deeper meaning in life with the rest of life that you have going forward. What are some tools that can help guys find that? Yeah. I also, I also think that too, what you say, and and I'm, I say this all the time, like I will never cry tears, crocodile tears for anyone who gets to play this sport they love for a living. However, the brotherhood is a very unique, very tiny population of people that face a very unique group of struggles or group of like specific challenges. And Mm -hmm. so I think that it's very hard for people outside the space who don't understand to look at someone like that and think like, what struggle? Like you made millions of dollars and you were on national television and wow, 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 poor you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think that that's an appropriate, and I get it. They don't understand, right? Like they don't understand. It's just like, we, I I can't understand what it's like to be Barbara Streisand and walk down the street. Like I'll never know. But, But I think it's important that when you work with that population, like there, there is a unique, there are unique challenges and struggles that that group faces. And at the very, at the very minimum of that is the fact that like you were, potentially like publicly cool. Like you could pull the NFL card at a restaurant for dinner Mm -hmm. and you could pull, you know, people were sending you free stuff all the time. And now you're like, just trying to get out of bed. So I think that you have to sort of kind of put your rose colored glasses on when you deal with that community, because they are sensitive and it's hard, like telling a, a macho guy who's struggling, who may not be able to explain to you like that he's sad and depressed and tell them like, rub some dirt in it, shake it off. Let's go. Like that's not helping. (laughs) And that's definitely not going to make someone want to share their feelings with you. So, you know, to that, I think there is a, a bit of, um, kid gloves that you sort of use with athletes, um, in order to help that process along. And I think when it comes to purpose, um, you know, everyone's purpose is different and, there is no one way to find your purpose, to find your purpose. None of those are, every single one of those is individual. And some people feel like their purpose is some sort of like world changing, you know, I'm going to clean the oceans. Like that's what you feel like. And some guys are like, I want to wake up every day and be the best husband and father and make sure that my fa- I'm contributing to making sure that my family is successful uh, to create you know, a legacy and generational success. Like that's some, I've had guys like when I have a, I have a worksheet about core values and purpose that I do in coaching. And like, I've had guys say like, my mission is to make sure that I am there to support my family and, and continue our success. Well, that sounds cool and grand and easy to do, 
But if you look at it, like it's not, if you're the post that is supposed to be supporting a family, then that means you have to do the work to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. You have to stay healthy, both uh, physically, mentally, third, emotionally, um, you know, you have to do a lot of work in order to maintain that. That doesn't mean just waking up and be like, honey, have a great day. Kids go learn something. Your backpacks are ready. Like, yeah, that's part of it, but it's way bigger than that. So I think that sitting down and deciding like, okay, what is important to me? What are my core values? They're different for everybody. Some people are, you know, family, faith, uh, loyalty, you know, whatever your values are, you have to sit down and look at that and then decide, okay, what do I like? What am I good at? What is something that I want to have an effect on? That's how you figure that out. Like, is it my family? Is it the environment? Is it inner city kids? Is it helping? And it doesn't have to be something earth shattering. Like you, like I said, if it's your family, you know, okay, my family is a core value. And I also like, I like spending time with my family and, um, I'm good at being pro dad, you know, like there's a lot of guys who, you know, don't have the money thing can work itself out. It's not always just about like the work I, you know, you mentioned that a lot of times they push, like, what are you going to do for work? What are you going to do for, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of guys who retire that like can invest well and live off their money. The the money isn't the issue. Mm -hmm. The issue is that you have to get through 365 days every year. <laughs> and so especially if the money isn't an issue and you're dealing with all the self-work, um you have to work on that. Like how do I be healthy, happy, pro dad, take kids to school, you know, do all of those things? Like that could could easily be your purpose, but you have to figure out like okay, well how do I build that? What does that get what does that playbook look like? You know, if the if the win is the purpose, what does the playbook look like? What are the plays that are going into this book that I can pull out to use every day to make sure that I'm achieving that? And like, not every day is a win. Mm. (laughs) Like you might have great goals for today. And you know what? I only got through my morning routine. Hey, that's still pretty good. I didn't get to the other three things that were on the list, but like, it's okay. They'll go, we'll do them tomorrow. And Mm. that's okay too. It's not about always being, you know, a champion every day, as long as you are trying, um, and you're using the the playbook, the plan, the map that you created for yourself. Mm. Um, I also so think important that to have a vision, right, of where yeah, you like, go, or else you're going to just kind of go in circles of not having that. Correct. Direction. Correct, and it's okay to not know what that vision is at first. There's, but there's steps you can take to build it, or at least a general direction. Because if you just say, and this is, this goes back to like the goal setting thing, right? So like, let's say I talked to a guy and he's like, I want to be a better dad. Okay. Like, what does that mean? Especially if you have young kids, like what two-year-old is going to be like, daddy, you were a better daddy today. Mm. Okay. Kids measure, the kids measure quote, good dad at a young age with time. And like, energy, right? Like how energy, are you like interface. Being present and Correct. Like, and not being distracted. Correct. Mm-hmm. So that means like, okay, whether you're the current guy or the former guy, if that's on your list, like if you're making that a priority, then you need to decide, okay, every Wednesday is daddy daughter date night or, you know, son, father, Sunday, and pick what your my, you know, if your kids are old enough, and they can participate, like actively, you know, you let them pick, like, are we doing the park? Or are we doing the baseball game? Are we doing this movie? And you pick the movie candy, like how, you know, you define it, but like, you just have to set it in order to then achieve it. And then you can say, I took steps towards what was the goal? Being better dad. Like that's, you can't just put these vague concepts out there because then you have no way of measuring success. And if you have no way of measuring success, i.e. wins or losses, then you lose motivation towards working for the win, right? And like, that's the, that's the going in circles thing is like, it's way easier to fall into depression or lack of effort if you're like, well, it's not going anywhere. Well, but how can we go somewhere if you didn't say we're going anywhere? Mm. 
you know, like if you didn't set the GPS for a destination, it's not going to tick down the mileage as you get closer. You can't just, you can't just drive around with the map app on and think you're going to end up somewhere like that. That's not an effective, you might end up somewhere, but that is not a proper effective use of your time and energy in order to get there. So to feel successful, you have to set a goal. Similarly, you were doing it when you played. Mm -hmm. The goal was to win. The goal was to achieve, you know, whether you, whether you personally were aiming for a specific, like I want three touchdowns or the team win, like you, there was a goal. It wasn't like as a pro athlete, you're not like, Hey guys, we're just having fun. No, like that's your job. You're getting paid. You are a professional athlete. So when you're done, you have to decide what is the win. Or usually it's multiple wins. Like, you know, you're you're aiming for multiple things. Mm. So I think with achieving purpose, you have to decide, okay, what does the vision look like? And what is contained in it before you figure out like how are the steps to get there? It's very much like a, how do I crawl before I walk, you know, or how do I learn the play before I go to the game? Mm. It's, it's all synonymous. Um, and for that, I encourage, like, if you don't have the game plan of how to do it yourself, you can, uh, you can do multiple things. You can work with a coach. You can, which I don't necessarily think a coach has to be a therapist, but I'm sure they're qualified to help you if that's what you're looking for. So you can work with a coach. You can try a therapist. You can try talking to your peers because there's guys who've already done the work. There are players out there who are living very fruitful, successful, happy, purpose-driven lives. And even though they might've had an ugly journey to get to where it looks like it's pretty, they still did the work. So nobody is going to, that I know of, and nobody that I've personally spoken to has said, if somebody reached out to me for help, I, that I wouldn't like show them how to do it, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think one of the big concepts is that you teaching someone how to win when you're already winning doesn't make you lose. This isn't competing for the same roster spot. Mm -hmm. This is this is lifetime success. So if I'm doing something well and you want to know how I'm doing it, if I show you, not only are you now also winning, but I feel good because I gave to you. Mm. And the science of happiness as shown by the research they teach you at Yale University uh, shows that like you increase happiness by giving to others. That's one of the ways that you can increase happiness. So if I can help your quality of life by showing you a trick or a method to how I did it, there is reward in that for me as much as there's success in it for you. And I think that that's a not natural thing for athletes because like you don't want, it's constantly a competition. Like I'm doing it better than you. I'm doing it better than you. And you're competing for millions of dollars and trying to find that number of roster spots. When you get out to the real world, there's an abundance of opportunities. So you can really support each other through that journey. Correct. So I think that there are, there is support to be had even more so when you're out than when you're in, because like you said, you're competing for finite spots when you're in the league, when you're out, like there's room for everybody. And especially if someone's already doing it, then that makes it easier for you to learn to do it. It might be hard for you to do the internal work, but the methodology doesn't, you're not reinventing the wheel. Mm. You're just adapting a system that's already in place. So I think that's huge for former players to understand is that there are guys doing it well. Not everybody is a sad story and you can also take your sad story and you don't have to stay there forever. I think if there's anything I learned from yoga and my yoga teacher personally, is that everything in life is temporary. Mm, that's the only everything. absolute truth is impermanence. Exactly. Everything is temporary where you live, who you're with, what you do for work, your state of being in this very moment, like everything is temporary. So you can change it. I know it's easier said than done. And I'm somebody who battles with depression and anxiety just like everybody else. So don't think I'm out here like watering the rose garden like it's easy. Mm. But it's also easy to help others when you know how ugly it can be. And I think that that's the thing. It's temporary. So if you're feeling like it sucks or you're feeling like you're not happy, first of all, happiness itself is not a permanent state of being. Nobody sits 
on the throne of happiness 24 seven, seven days a week. If they tell you that they are lying or heavily medicated. <laughs> um, and so it's not about achieving a permanent state of happiness. It's about achieving the, it's about striving through your purpose to feel impactful and you will incur happiness along that journey as it ebbs and flows. And I think too, what you said about, you know, the two finite things when you're playing is the the roster spot and the money. That being said too, there is research to show that in America, once you make more than $75,000 $75, threshold, once you pass it, which like newsflash, that's every pro football player. Mm-hmm. Every single one of you makes more than $75,000 a year. Um, so research shows that once you cross that threshold, increase in income does not equate to increase in happiness. What does that mean? It means if you're the player making $2 million a year on the right side and the player making $5 million a year on the left side, there is nothing to show that the guy making $5 million a year is happier than the $2 million a year guy. Because if he is not doing the work that is contributing to others, savoring the moment, like living for the, you know, living for all these things, if you're not doing the work, then it doesn't matter. You could have all the money in the world and still be unhappy. Mm, that was one of the wake up calls for me is when I started making starter money, I was getting I think the most I made was like three or $4 million in a year. And mm-hmm. I was a starter. And I remember looking and a starting center for another team was making like $10 million a year. And I was like, that guy's not that much better than me. He's not $6 million better than me. And so right. I started thinking about, you know, and, and I had my rookie year, my second and third years, like I wanted to get to that point where I was making that money. And then I yep. immediately looked at the person that was making more. Yes. And that was a big wake up call when I realized, oh my gosh, there's always somebody in this world that's making more money than me. And unless always. I figure out how to be content and happy with what I have, then I'm never going to be happy. And that's part of the reason I ended up giving everything away to charity and living this minimalist lifestyle. Cause I wanted to know what life was like without all of this stuff. And it wasn't until that wake up call when I realized like that is the rat race, right? Like you're, you're never going to yes. make enough money if that's the, 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 the scale in which you're labeling your happiness. Yeah. If you, so two things to that one, if your bottom line is always the dollar, you will never achieve true success because mm-hmm. when you can only do that with your purpose. Now your purpose might lead you to making lots and lots of money. Mm-hmm. There's those can be very possible, but if the root of your success is based in money, you're not doing it right. And you'll never be as successful as you could be if it was something else at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And two, it is also shown like what you just said, when you are like, I was making three or four and I looked at this other guy and he's making 10. It is shown through like studies that if you, like wake up today and you take a happiness test. There's like a survey online where you click all these things. It asks you about your life, blah, 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 blah. The happiness scale runs from like one to five. Okay. So if you take the test and you pop out as a four, which is like pretty high, actually, I think average is like 3.75. So let's say it's a four. If you go on social media and you start scrolling through or or you're a player and you start looking up everybody who plays your position and you are like, oh my God, what? He's not that much better than me. And he makes how much money? And oh my God, look at his house and look at his car. And you go take it again, the test again afterwards, 100% it's going to go down mm-hmm. because people, when you start comparing yourself and we're all guilty of it, like do not let me sit on a high horse and tell you I don't do it. I a hundred percent do it. It's a nasty thing to do, but like we do it, it's human nature. But if you stay in a state of comparison, your happiness level tends to, tends to drop. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing is like, it's not about the comparison game. It's not about like more brings happiness and, and that's proven, right? Like if you buy a new car and you think that that's going to, you're like, if I buy this new car, I am going to be so happy. Like I could just explode. Mm. Okay. But like 16 months later, you get in that new car. You don't necessarily get in your car and you're like, like, this is the new car. Oh, it still smells good. It hugs my butt just right. Like you don't necessarily do that. Mm -hmm. But when you go on a trip, let's say you go with your, your, you take a boy's trip and you guys go to wherever boys go. We went to Punta Cana and we rocked out for four days and we did the boat. We did the, this, and Oh my God, when homie did the zip line, he like pissed himself, like whatever. (laughs) 
you could, you can literally years later get together and talk or get on the phone and be like, man, when we went to Punta Cana, do you remember like, oh, this thing? And literally the same happiness sensation that you talked about while it was happening, you are literally reliving it again Mm. on the scale versus like the new car is not giving you that same like <gasps> feeling like remember when I bought the new car like it just doesn't think you just want to feel that feeling again to go buy and you need to buy a new car to feel that feeling exactly versus we can just talk about it and look at the pictures and be like oh my god I forgot that he did that and then mm. he like you know he snorted and the tequila came you know whatever like it's it's I need shown. to party the with reason- you Look, I'm, I told you I'm a grandma. This is not, I, I'm a, I'm living through other people's experience. I Although I do love, to, I do love to travel, but I mean, it's really shown through research that like the experiences and savoring moments equates to more internal happiness than just stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. like I said, there's a threshold. You have to survive. If you're, if you're really struggling for bare minimum, like like roof, food, sleep, all of these things. Like if you're really struggling for those, then yes, that, that in turn can deeply impact, you know, your happiness, your health, all of those things. But as a pro athlete, if you're like on par with, you know, everything else that's going on, nothing is stopping you besides yourself. If you have all the rest of it going on. So Mm. even though it may be difficult to figure out like where to start, like if you start, make the choice to start. It's kind of like, you know, the first step to recovery is admitting you have a problem. Like the first step to getting to better is like deciding you want to go somewhere, setting the destination. Mm. And that's what you were saying. Like if you amble around in circles forever, like that's like somebody go burn those calories for me because like I could use the help. Mm. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's one of my mottos when I hit the road was I wanted to know what life would be like without all this stuff, because we all have this, this void within ourselves. And for me as an athlete, I filled that void with my performance on the field, seeking outside validation and love. And once that thing was gone, that void just opened up. And instead of filling it with stuff, I decided to go fill it with experience and figuring out who I was. And so one of my mottos is live with less so you can experience more because experiences definitely just fill us with so much love and joy and they, and they, they last forever. Right. And the more we can do that. And then, yeah, it's just really beautiful. And you might not have even known when you made that choice that there's like research to actually prove that you might've just done that. Cause you were like, Hey, this seems like a good thing to do, mm-hmm. but like without even knowing, like you really took the research that exists and put it into practice. And so you're just a walking testimonial of that being true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like, I've, I've spoken to a couple guys who never really traveled before when they, like until they, after they were done playing, they never really, you know, they traveled like on road trips and stuff, but they never really travel traveled. My God, if you don't have a passport and you're an athlete, get your passport. Mm. today go get your photo taken at a triple a or a cvs and fill out the paperwork because by lord goodness get a passport like life has way more to offer you and yeah and like go you might be staring into the abyss somewhere but it might be the abyss in peru and you're like you know what i feel good about this like just you know because you're never going to find the highs that you had while you were playing if you don't replace them with something else and preferably a healthy high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Adrian, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing so much of your, your knowledge and your wish, wisdom and just your passion about serving this community. And, and these guys is just, it's beautiful to see. And I'm, I'm really appreciate you and the way you're showing up. Uh, where can people find you if they do want to learn more about you or maybe possibly work work with you? Yeah, um, you can find me on social media. I'm on everything, but Instagram and LinkedIn are the places to find me. My Instagram is Adrian F. Star. Um, you know, Joe follows me. So if you don't know how to spell it, we can put it up there. I'll be in the um, show notes. So we'll, we'll, we'll put in the, the links in the show notes. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn and you can find on my website, there's more about what I do and coaching. Um, and it's just astarmanagement.com. Um, and yeah, and I'll take like, I'm, I'm big on, I'll take free strategy calls with anybody. I don't charge you to hop on a call and talk about what you've got going on. Um, I think there's room to be a resource for everybody. I think it's a fragile community, but, um, and if I'm not the right person to help you, I will help you find the one who is, cause I'm a 
big advocate of like, not the one size fits all. Mm. Um, so, you know, if I'm not the right fit, I will help you find somebody who is, or pair, you know, find you a former player that you can talk to because, you know, not being a sharer should not be an excuse of why you can't be successful as an athlete in transition. Mm. This is for current and former players, correct? Yeah. Current and former. I love it. Yep. And yeah, I mean, it just, I love this concept of finding a coach for life as well. Right. We, I mean, as athletes, we, you know, really, we, we perform way better when we receive coaching and someone that is constantly, you know, showing us how to reach higher levels of success. And so I would definitely recommend reaching out to Adrian if it's something you're interested in, all that stuff will be in the show notes. Any final words of wisdom to leave the listeners? Um, respect your feelings respect your feelings, honor each other. And they call it a brotherhood for a reason. So you're not by yourself, but also there's some nice ladies out here trying to help you. So, you know, don't be afraid to talk to a, a nice lady friend, uh, to, you know, get you through it just cause I think there's some awesome dudes out there and player development has a great space for former players, but also, um, you know, women tackle problems differently. So don't think that our size doesn't mean we can't tackle your problems. So Beautiful. respect, respect your feelings and ask for, don't be afraid to ask for help. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Adrian. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Joe. Big thank you to Adrian for the conversation and showing up and just the energy and the heart of service. And she's so passionate about serving, um, you know, the athletic community and the players. And I love it, you know, really focused on, you know, the question of, of who am I and not really what to do next, but really figuring out the deeper parts and the deeper questions, which is what I'm doing over at the Heart Collective. Uh, a lot of collaboration opportunities with Adrian in the future. Really stoked about that. If you're interested in working with her or learning more about her or contacting her, all of her information will be in the show notes. I uh, really appreciate everyone for all the support, for all the listens. Uh, like I said, leave a review, rate the podcast, share it with your friends. It goes a long way in helping grow the community. And if you haven't yet, go check out my other podcast, Quantum Coffee. That one's a lot of fun. We discuss the unanswerable questions of the universe, like God, spirituality, uh, the state of the world, and where we're headed as a collective. And uh, yeah, go check that out. I'd love to hear from you. Follow me on Instagram, joe.holly, and check out my website, joe-holly. And if you're interested in the Heart Collective, heartcollective.com. Love y'all. Till next time. Peace.